Hello, listener. Welcome to Area Day Rigori. That is ADR. I'm your host, Danish Iqbal, for BreakingTheLines.com, the weekly culture, the weekly culture show, or the weekly Serie A show that we present to the world with my regular co host, my favorite Swedish person in the world, Maxi Angela. Hello. Maxi Angela. Awesome that I've surpassed uh, Alexander Skarsgård as your favorite uh, Swedish person. Yeah, he hasn't released any movies recently. Yeah, he's been slacking. Well, I mean, I saw The Northman a week and a half ago. I he's saw half, been slacking. I saw half of The Northman. I did not enjoy it. You never watch or see anything or listen to anything ever. <laughs> you literally just watch football. Well, I guess you're like me, to be honest. You just yep. watch football and, and chill, which is the way to be. Lots and lots and lots and lots to unpack this week before the international break. Um, it was a blockbuster Sunday. If you were sat at home watching Serie A, uh, I think you would be a lot more entertained than if you were watching The Northman. Um, That's which, a fair which, assumption. Which wouldn't be hard. How do you know? You haven't seen it. Uh, I'm I'm just spit. Okay. Okay, fair enough. But what a Sunday it was. Uh, so many things going on. So many subplots. It's beautifully poised before the international break, Max. Yeah. I mean, there there were some uh, uh, upsets. Yeah. I, it's the first time in 25 years that on the same weekend, Roma lost, Milan lost, uh, Juventus lost, and there was one more that I'm forgetting. Inter, Inter. How many years did you say? 25, I think. 25? I think it was in 1955 or something like that. Oh, maybe I'm getting it wrong then. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it was. No. Uh, really? Yeah. Uh, the, the first time since 1955 that Inter... Milan and Juve lost in the same day. Since 1955. Why on earth did I think it was 25 years? Because you don't know your stats. Aye. Aye, that's mean. I know my stats. That's history. <laughs> it's history. I know, I know my... I'm, we love our stats here. Yeah. XG, PPB, PPDA. Um, anyway. Much we love our stats. Yes. Anyways. Yes, let's... Um, so, the game week started off on Friday. Salernitana versus Lecce came, came underway. Um, Lecce 1-2-1. Have you seen Lecce play this year? Uh, I've seen a few games, but not... not I would like uh, to watch them. Uh, they like the only team that I haven't seen, admittedly. Um, Bologna nil, Empoli 1 on Saturday. Spezia 2, Sampdoria 1. Torino nil, Sassolo 1. And then the Sunday started... The early kickoff in the morning was Udinese 3, Inter 1, Fiorentina 2, Ellis Verona 0. Monza beating Juventus, Angel Di Maria getting sent off in that fixture. Cremonese losing 4 0 to Sarri's Lazio. Roma 0, Atalanta 1. And then the final game on Sunday, I'm sure this made you upset. Milan 1, Napoli 2. And we should also notice that. Uh... Monza's win against Juve or is it their first win ever in Serie A? First win ever in Serie A. And they were managed by... Raffaele Palladino. That's right. And it was his first... 
Gave me a charge. Yeah, yeah, come on. (laughs) I expected you to be quicker. That was his first game in charge ever. Yeah, but it's it's interesting because um, I've read a bit about it and uh, many people actually hold hold him very, very highly as a manager. Yes, but how? He's never managed. (laughs) Well, no, he's... Silvio Berlusconi, by the way, who owns Monza. Monza is like his little pet project um, now that he, he does not own AC Milan. Said that he managed uh, the, the under 15s and the, it was the under 15s and the under 19s. Yeah. And the under which 19s is, just, is the Primavera. Which is just remarkable. Okay, Max. Right? I've had enough of you <laughs> trying to prove me wrong, all right? We've had five minutes. Okay. For the love of God, put it together. <laughs> but no, you're right. No. Uh, it is the primavera, but yeah. Anyways, I, 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 th- I thought Monza were good. Monza were very, very good. It was he tried some things that I liked, and and that was interesting. Uh, Matteo Pasino, who I've always been a fan of. Well, I say always been a fan, like he's existed for ten years. I only, you know, he only came to fruition last year um, with Atalanta. He basically was pushed forward and just allowed to roam free. So, like, he would, uh, like, switch wings and it would just sort of confuse Juve. And they they didn't really know what to do with him or, or how to cope with him. Yeah, he, he uh, got somewhat of a free rogue. Um, I, I, I actually thought... Um, Monza played a quite entertaining style of football against Juve. Yeah, like when, by the way, when Persino was doing this, Danny Motta, who was the the centre forward, like dropped, dropped deep in the middle. But I think the biggest thing that the Palladino did, and Nicky Bandini from like sort of pointed this out in a in a brilliant article in the Guardian. Um, Patrick Sueria, I hope I pronounced that right. Sueria. It's spelled C-I-U-R-R-I-A. Um, he's like mainly a forward, but he started as a right wing back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But they played like I think this is a this is a sort of epitomized the approach that they took. They sort of smelt blood, I felt. They knew that like this Juve team is meek at the minute. Um they pushed high in the first half, like were really, really aggressive down the flanks, got crosses in, um, realized that they couldn't deal with it. The the red card happened and then they sort of piled the pressure on even more. Yeah. I I thought they went into this game sort of with a um, we have nothing to lose mentality. They just came out with guns blazing. Um, they they pushed up so high up the pitch. Like, yeah, and, like ridiculously high uh, for and it, and it's team. quite it's quite brave when when you have the the results they have and and you comes to visit. Um, so I I I kind of like the approach uh, from Rafael Paladino. That's exactly what I was about to say. But like pressing that high against okay, yes, you know this this Juve team looks jaded and not themselves. Um, but pressing that high in your first game ever is pretty admirable. It, it worked though. It worked. The gamble paid off. Um, Monza win against Juve. But they, we should also say that they got a lot of help from Angel Di Maria. Yeah. Um, 
he was sent off for those who didn't watch the game he was sent off for elbowing um i don't know who it was you remember no. itsu i think armando itsu maybe i don't i don't remember yeah i, I think oh, it armando was itsu okay yeah, the yeah. left back he elbowed him in in the chest sort of uh right in front of the referee and was sent off right away uh now it's been um decided that he will miss two games uh, against Bologna and against Milan, uh, which is a massive blow for Angel Di Maria and um, more so for Juve. Um, but yeah, uh, his his red card completely changed uh, the dynamic uh, of the game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it made it easier. It piles the pressure on Allegri, who we seem to talk about every single week. Um but also, I just want to know, Monza's squad is full of, like, ex, like, not they're not ex-players. Players who used to play for clubs, who I find quite handy. This is like a side note, and we'll get back to Juve and Allegri, but Pablo Mari, of Arsenal fame, Nicolo Rovella, Stefano Sensi, Matteo Pessina, like we mentioned, and up front, Max? Dani Motta. And, and who else? Caprari. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you said up front, I thought you meant striker. <laughs> for for people not listening, um, you won't get that. No, no, for people who have not listened to the podcast before, you won't get that. And you'll probably tune out now. So, yeah. Uh, but moving back to Juve and Allegri, um, it, it seems like same problems another week. Uh, Di Maria sending off really didn't help. They could have done with a win here. They, they should have won last week in that dramatic uh, 2-2 draw where Milik scored and then it was disallowed uh, against Salernitana. Now those two, two extra points that they've dropped are going to cost them. Having said all of those things, they, this time last year, Juve had 11 points. So they're only one less. Yeah. Um... But I think the main difference is I think that last year they played better. Um, even though they didn't get the results, they looked better. Um, but I don't know. Maybe that's just me. You think they looked better? Like, last as year. In, but like, like I'm talking about the beginning of the season. Yeah, yeah. In the beginning of last season, I thought they played better than they play now. Hmm. I think um, also it's because... Um, you know, Juve fans, their patience is wearing thin now. Yeah. Like, they know what to expect from Allegri, but the, the, he's had a summer where he's been backed. So, like, last year, it was the first season of, like, the return of, of Max Allegri. So they were like, we're crap. We know we're crap. It's going to take time to turn things around. And now they're going, hang on. Why does everybody else in the world who is meant to be a big football club have a progressive manager who's trying to bring in a brand of football that is good and we have um allegri where the priority is okay well we are just going to go back to what we used to do which is just win win at all costs we tried sari we tried pilo we probably didn't give him enough time to either um but we just want to win again instead of getting fourth um but look Agnelli, the club director has like heavily backed allegri in the summer it's been a very busy summer. I know Delict left, but it was a very good summer, by the way. Like I, th- I think they've recruited excellently. Excellently. Um, 
he's hedged his bets on Allegri because he's paying him nine million nine million euros a year, and his contract doesn't end for another three more years. So I, I don't. There was reports of Pavel Nedved and tensions between him and Allegri because he's now anti-Allegri. But I mean, I I agree with you that they did a a good Mercato this summer, but they're. I don't know when you, when you look at the lineup uh, against Monza, it's not like um, a, not a really strong Juve team. I mean, right no. back Mattia Di Silio, uh, no. left back Danilo, midfield Weston McKenney, Miretti, mm. and then you look at the bench: uh, Szczesny, good, Ken, he's decent. Yeah, I, I don't Bonucci, not, not the biggest but fan then of after. After Bonucci, Ken and Stesny, it's Pinsolio, Rogiani, Sule, Barbieri, Ealing Jr., Fagioli, and Barancinia. That That's not the best of squads. I mean, if you if you want to change the dynamic of a game, you can't do it with that bench. Um, but we, we talked about it in, in, I think it was a week or two ago, that they have... Uh, very important players injured. Uh, so they've got they've got Kiers and Pogba to come back. Yeah, yeah, but, exactly. But it could be January till they come back. Yeah, 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 for sure. He's got. Um, he's, it's it could be January till till it comes back, and the walls are caving in on Allegri now. Like the the whole attention's on him. Um, I think the only good thing, if there is a good thing about this, in terms of if you were Allegri or if there are still some Allegri supporters out there, like this guy's unflappable. Um, he's seen it all. He's done it all. Um, in the press conferences, he's so nonchalant. There's none of these, you know, media trained answers where it's like, you know, you know when uh, bad things happen on the on the pitch, and then the managers come out after, and you get the same, you know, it's not good enough. It's disappointing. We're going to improve. We're going to work hard. Yeah, Allegri ca- automatic Allegri, answers. Allegri came out and was just didn't say that at all. He he's he said before the game. Um, I told the boys, "Don't bother me during the international break because I want to relax a bit." <laughs> There's that reek of a man who who like is un, under. I mean, he is under pressure, but he's not showing it. I mean, I think that uh, of course he wants Juve to uh, be as good as they can, but in the end. If 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 they don't succeed his way, he will get well paid, uh, and he still has a profile where we can find whichever new job it is he wants. Basically, I mean, it'd be a good job, but this is not going to look good on his CV if he if he plummets with Juve now, because th- this is not a brand of football that any team would look to bring in now. Surely, I mean, not any <laughs> team, but as in nobody, re- no like. If you're a mid-table club in Syria, say you are a, I don't know, a Sassuolo, or you're a Verona, a, something like of, of that ilk. I know in in Italy some 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 teams are still playing a low block or a mid block and stuff like this, but you you wouldn't look at Allegri and go, he is we're going to bring him in and we know that we're going to play a brand of football that is exciting. And at least if we do badly, our fans are going to get behind us. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think Allegri cares about that, really, because he's still results first 
Um, but yeah, one hundred percent. He's got to turn it around, and he's got to turn it around fast because, like, the the world is laughing at him essentially. There's a lot of memes and there's a lot of jokes just because of the way he operates and, and stuff like that. But I'll I'll say it again, like write it, write them, them as in Juve, write them and Allegri off at your peril because this was the exact same thing that was happening last year and they they eventually turned it around. Yeah, I honestly looking at at their their squad from this game, I I can't see they shouldn't be top four. But then again, there's so many more factors to it. They they kind of have that culture and DNA at Juve where they, as long as they get two or three games, uh, like build up win, wins in a row, they yeah. can just pile on. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's Juve. And because it's still relatively early doors, they're still only four points behind Milan, um, still only seven points behind the top. Yeah. It, it's just literally a case of him putting results together as quickly as possible, but they're playing badly right now. Yeah, they they don't really have the squad that impressed, impresses either. I think that the midfield is subpar, to be honest. They haven't impressed all season, apart from the first game, no. um, which was just really, really funny because I saw the first game and I was like, this is different. This is really good. This is... I actually enjoyed watching them press and... and you know, uh, but I don't. Yeah, yeah, but that's like, I like Miretti. I think it's. I think he's an exciting player. But I mean, a midfield of him, Leandro Paredes and Weston McKenney. I think that Paredes is basically the the only one which suits the ambition uh, Juve have. Mm. Um, Has the Locatelli acquisition not worked out then, or is it too soon? Uh, I I think. I, I think it's too think, soon. A little yeah, bit. I think it's, it's too soon. One season. I think that uh, the signing of, of Paredes can do good for Locatelli because he can have this kind of more of a uh, box-to-box role uh, whilst Paredes is kind of the anchor of the midfield. Um, so I, I think there's better days to come for, for Manuel Locatelli, but um, yeah, that's just me, what I'm thinking. Mm. They still need. I still don't think they've sorted the midfield out either. There's no. not. There's not the um, combination that you need of steel and progression of the ball from defense to attack. I, I, I think that Weston McKenney is horrendous. Yeah, I thought that he, there was a little period where he first signed and then he really waned off. Sort of last season, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I also thought he looked good in the beginning, but yeah, then... there was there was games where he, he surpri- like pleasantly surprised me. But Allegri likes to play him as a right winger as well, which I don't really understand. Like that's no. just never worked. No, and he doesn't have the characteristics for it. It's just odd, but that this is. I completely agree with what you said. It's a very thin squad at the minute. It's just really, it lacks. If if you're a Serie A team and you look at that squad, I think you fancy your chances in getting like a big scalp, you, because you, it's still Juve, so you still want to beat that big team. But you probably get up for it a little bit more looking at the team sheet, if you know what I mean. Yeah, 
And like the fr the front three, I think is good enough because it's Vlaovic, Kostic, and Di Maria. And then you have Arik Milik, who was suspended for this game. Uh, yeah, Mo it, was those, Ken, it was those two was... sendings sendings of Cuadrado was suspended as well. Yeah, and Moise Ken is a decent. I, I mean, he's not a top class player, but I mean, he he will bring you pace and he can score goals. Uh, he's a he's a good play for rotation. Uh, I think it's more the the defense and the midfield, um, which is quite thin. Yeah, yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens, but because I think all eyes in Italy are basically on them, yeah. um, and maybe Inter. Yes. Now it, it seems like there seems to be a creeping up of of the the focus on Inter because they they've only gained two more points than the newer. And they've lost three games now. Um, yeah, and, granted, uh, like and, granted. And... It, excuse me. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> granted, with the three games that they've lost, one was the derby, one was against a very good Lazio team who looked to be getting better and better under Sarri, um, and then this this loss to Udinese this past weekend, three one, and they were worthy winners, Udinese. Yeah, for sure. They've been kind of uh, one of the big surprises this season. I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I must admit, I didn't see that one coming from a mile away. No, no. I didn't. I mean, it was. Um, forgive me if I get it wrong, because I always get this one wrong. Was it Gabriel Choffi last season? Yeah. Or was it Gotti? Uh, I think it's. They began with Gotti, but then no. Then... Okay, it was both of them. It was both of them. Okay, yeah, it was Gotti then and Chofi then Choffi because Choffi just came in and made them really boring but solid. Yeah, he kind of stabilized them. Kind of stabilized them pretty well because they were in yeah. trouble of of sort of flirting with 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 relegation. But he was always going to be just a caretaker, I think. Yeah, uh, and Andrea Sotil has come in and. They're the surprise packages of the season so far. Yeah, I think not only are they playing well as a team, but uh, Sotil has kind of gotten the best out of the players. I mean, look at Gerard de Rufeo. He's a, he has five assists now in seven games. Uh, Lazar Zamarzic uh, is impressing very much in the midfield. I think he not only got them together as a team, but he also kind of improved them as individuals uh, in the same process. Yeah. Beto is well up front. I'm a big fan of Beto. Yeah. I'm a big fan of, like, strikers that for mid-table Serie A clubs that will cause problems. So, like, I love jo Joao Pedro as well. For Cagliari, you know, last season. Yeah, he's now in the Serie B. Rest, rest in peace. <laughs> I mean, he's not oh, dead. <laughs> but I, I also like kind of the stories uh, of players like Beto. He just ca came out of nowhere and is now kind of just tearing it up. Yeah. Also, uh, Pereira, who formerly of of Watford fame, he's Juve. yeah, he's he's been a solid, solid player for you for Udinese. I don't know yeah. for how many years now, but it, it feels like he's been there for ages. And he's doing it as a right wing back. Yeah, with with Udogi as <laughs> Udogi. Udogi. Udogi on the other side. Yeah. 
Um, let's let's talk Inter. Yeah. Real quick. Well, not real quick. However, however much time we want because it's our podcast. We can do what we want. Um, what we want. Yeah. Go on, Max. That's the most enthusiasm I've heard from you ever. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, some of the defending was haphazard. They were all over the place. They they were literally like when when Udinese attacked in droves. They I thought they really struggled in defending crosses as well, which is strange to me because Skriniar, Bastoni, and Divrai. I know it was a Cherby who started. Um, were just it was like food and drink for them for for last season and the season before. Dealing with crosses was very easy. It was almost pointless um, to cross. And and in this one they conceded twice from set piece. I know the Skriniar one is a little bit clumsy, but twice from a set piece, and the third one was, I believe, a header. Yes. Um, but Udinese troubled them like the whole of the second half with like long range shots, and I think it was because they were pouring too many men forward and not actually creating too much at all. No. And then they would counter quickly, Udinese, break quickly and catch them all. Alessandro Bastoni was subbed off on the 30th minute, which is never a good sign. He was furious on the bench. Furious. Yeah, and Mkhitaryan was as well. Um, it, was, it, was, it was, yeah. He, he, I, he made two changes made two after changes. 31 minutes. Mkhitaryan came off for Gagliardini. Bastoni came off for Di Marco. I, I read that it was because both of them had yellow cards, but I am not sure. Maybe, I think it I was mean, a bit of both. Maybe you could have waited 15 minutes then. Yeah, um, but I mean, I think it was kind of smart as well because Udinese is that kind of team that can kind of frustrate you to take uh, another yellow. Uh, they they play kind of dirty, very physical, and they, they like to get in your head. So if you're already having a yellow so early in the game, they they have this kind of ability to make you take another one and, and get sent off. But um, when, I mean, if you... But him taking off Mkhitaryan that early basically means that... And, and you point Gagliardini on. Basically means that you are relying completely on central attacks being conducted by Brozovic from deep and Barella roaming around. Uh, which... You know, you need you need link in there, and Ericsson was excellent at doing that. Eventually, under Conte, it took some time, but he was excellent at doing that. Hakan was very good at it last year, uh, so I think that's a, that's a crucial factor that they lost. But they just they defended so poorly that I've, yeah. I've never seen a an, not never I haven't seen an Inter Milan defense at sea so much for a while. It was kind of striking to me as well uh, when. When Bastoni was taken off, uh, Federico Di Marco came on, and even then uh, they looked unorganized. It wasn't like just Bastoni's fault; it was kind of the entire back three and the and the mid- midfield, which wasn't synced. It wasn't organized. They were just kind of all over the place. Um, Udinese had a, a chance in I, I can't remember which minute, but it was in the first half uh, after Bastoni came off and. Di Marco is just kind of uh, on the on the central pitch and has left a, a sea of space behind him. Which yeah. Is just 
kind of progressed into and got a shot. Uh, and I think Han- Handanovic tipped it like around the post. Yeah, a really good save by Handanovic. He, he's just standing there like he's basically in the the right centre back position of the three, but it's just him. Yeah, and he's being run at quite easily because whoever I think it's Skriniar has has sort of come out. So I think that maybe comes down to. I think Inzaghi maybe told one of the the back three to push up and join an attack as well. But then on the flip side of that, Udinese broke really quickly. So Skriniar has come out and said, oh God, I need to tackle him. Di Marco, who was maybe just not in sync with the other three, is just sort of stood there. But it, yeah. it, it left like sort of wide open spaces. Then they went on to like hit the post, I think not shortly after that. Exactly, yeah. I think that um, I want I want to praise Udinese because I think that both against uh, Inter and against Roma they they play very smart and they kind of they kind of know their rank in the hierarchy but they they kind of defend compact and then when they get the chance they just counter um, they Del yeah Delofe was fantastic for that Udogi is as well um. So they, they just kind of know kind of where they are in the hierarchy and just accept it and play to their strengths and uh, the opponent's weaknesses. And that's kind of what you have to do when you're a club of, of Udinese's uh, size. Yeah. I mean, both the, the final goal for Udinese and the, I mean, the second goal is a corner. But the the final goal and the warnings before that are literally because the back three is disjointed. So one of the back three is pushed out and is left space in. So then Damian sort of has to come across as well, which which leaves space at the sort of the back back post on the left, and then that means either the wing back or the right CM or the left CM, depending on which side it is, can push up and and go into the box as well. So they struggled aerially. Um, are uh, Inter in trouble? I wouldn't say so yet. Um, they they have a good manager. They have good players. Uh, they just kind of need to get in sync with each other, I think. Um, but they have to do it kind of quickly because even though... There's no time. There's no time within this unforgiving, relentless schedule. There, yeah. there isn't, there's, there's no time at all for you to train and the players in the... You know, Napoli are just a machine right now. Um, Milan are kind of the same. Uh, even though they lost against Napoli, they played really well. Uh, and then we have Atalanta up there. Kind of surprising us all because we didn't think they would be this high. Uh, it remains to be seen if they can remain there. But yeah, if, if Inter don't get their act together soon, they will get kind of left on the station when the when under, other trains leave. Good metaphor, Max. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> they need Lukaku back ASAP, basically. This is yeah. this is like the team that, I don't know how many times I've said this, but this is the team that lost the Scudetto last year. And then in the summer, they went out and were like, right, we need our, our marquee signing back. And they've just been devoid of him for the last two, three games. And they kind of get, they kind of need Hakan in form as well. Um, 
he's a huge threat on set pieces, but also vital for kind of creation uh, in the in the final third. Um, so there there are many things they need to get kind of in order, uh, but I I wouldn't say they are in um, trouble in, in trouble yet. Mm. They need to sort out the defense though. Because yeah. that, that's just like the the staple of, of Inter Milan for the last two three years has been the three man defense, which is watertight. I think there's real problems there. Honestly, I'm not convinced by Acerbi. No, I wasn't when they signed him. Really? No, me neither. I, I think it was good at Lazio. Um, I think for... it was two three years too late. Yeah. Two three years yeah. too late to sign to sign Francesco Acerbi. I would um, much rather play Stefan de Frey. Yeah, and I don't know what's going on with Lissandro Bastoni. Um, it's never good when a player has a tantrum on the bench. No. I mean, it shows that he cares, but I don't... You, would he even get a chance to like speak to him before the international break? To be like, look, Lissandro, you know, I took you off because of the yellow one. I mean, in that case, right after, after the game, because I think they kind of leave for the national team. The day after. It was shortly after. Mm. Yeah. Trouble, 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 trouble at Juve and, and Inter as well. Yeah. The the marquee game then on Sunday night, this I really enjoyed watching this. AC Milan one, Napoli two. Yeah. What do we it think of a, this? It was a tough loss. Uh it was a fascinating game to watch though, tactically. Yeah, I, I think that honestly, um, the only thing that kind of separated these two teams is that Napoli were more clinical. Um, because I think both teams played great games. Uh, Napoli uh, a bit more entertaining, uh, a bit more kind of direct. Um, but yeah, I. Of course, it sucks losing, but I think the boys should be proud because. They played a great game. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I thought that Milan at least deserved to draw the game, and I say that as well in the context of Napoli scored from a penalty, and I scored their their second goal in like I think the seventy ninth minute, but yeah, they didn't re- actually create too much apart from that at all. No, um... Me, Milan were in large portions very very good. They pressed excellently well. They pressed the defense really well, so um, it sort of made them stuff soft in the middle. So it stopped them getting the ball to Anguissa, not stopped them getting the ball to Anguissa, stopped them getting getting the ball to Anguissa in sort of positions where they could find attackers. If that if that made sense, um, but what they were doing they, when they were pressing, if they didn't convert, so they didn't get the ball back from when they when they pressed high, they just got back into shape really quickly. It was, it was quite it was quite nice to see that. Yeah. It's quite uh, aesthetically pleasing. And then Oliver Giroud, by the way, was terrific. Like yeah. like genuinely terrific. Like that's one of the most enjoyable centre forward performances I've seen in a while from a player. He was an excellent connector of midfield to attack. Remember I... like I'm still I'm still talking here, Max. I'm still yeah. talking. Okay, okay. <laughs> remember remember <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Remember, like last year, when sometimes AC Milan would run out of ideas of what to do, so they would just go long. 
that was what they did on Sunday, but it worked. So Giroud would like sort of bring it down and then bring others into play. Or if that didn't work, they would sort of play it quickly to him on the floor to his feet. And then he would sort of go from there to bring other attackers into play. Go ahead, Max. I I have three points I thought from the game uh, from a Milan perspective that were quite quite striking. Um, the first one you touch upon now is Giro. Um, I talked to a mate about it, and uh, we we often talk about how how reliant Milan are on on Rafa Leao, which is is which is of course a fair point to discuss. But I think that we should also discuss how reliant they are on Oliver Giro. Uh, because the games where, let's say, Origi has played there, uh, it hasn't looked quite good. Uh, Rebic uh, did well, but um, he doesn't bring the same characteristics. Uh, he's more of a, yeah, he's more of a player going in behind the defense, taking runs and, yeah. and stuff like that. He's not kind of quite this uh, focal point for for attacks. Um, the second uh, is. I think this might have been the Catalanist's best game. Yeah. I, I thought good. he did really well between the lines of, of Napoli's uh, defense and midfield. And the third point is I was quite surprised how uh, good Milan played without Rafa Leao. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a positive for the future because kind of the, the, the perspective you get is that they just give him the ball and let him take care of the rest, but they function very well as a team without him. There's a makeshift like back, not back three, sorry. There's a makeshift three behind Giroud. So it was like De Ketelara, Krunic, Salamakers, but Krunic and De Ketelara sort of interchanged a lot. So it was, it was very fluid. So one position could be taken up by the other and it wasn't very set. So they could sort of roam. <clears throat> I thought Sandro Tonali was good for the first 30 minutes and then got a little more quiet as the game went on. It was, it was an interesting battle between, I personally think, the two best double pivots in the league um, of Benesa Tonali against Laboca and Nguisa. And I think that Laboca and Nguisa just about edged it just because of the way they mopped things up in, in the second half in particular. Um, but Milan created tons. Giroud rattled the bar in the first half. Uh, Pierre Kalulu rattled the the bar in the second. Um, the the penalty they conceded was like David Calabria did really really well. I thought against Kravashkelia. like, but the minute he evaded him, well, sorry, the only time he evaded him in the first half was when he got a yellow card. So then, purely looking at that, he clearly had a lot more of attention drawn to the fact that, oh God, I'm playing against possibly the most exciting attacker in the world right now or in Europe, and then immediately sort of took Calabria off. And because of that, Serginio Dest came on. It's his first AC Milan appearance ever. It's like No, his second. No, but... He came on in the Champions League. Okay, but like when there was, I don't know how long left. Uh, I can't remember. When when AC Milan were winning, basically, yeah, throwing him like right into the deep end, um, against Kabashkelia makes a clumsy foul. Napoli get the penalty and then eventually go on to win the game. Um, Pioli's 
changes were really good. I thought they changed the game. Um, Macias, Bram Diaz coming on, but they probably lost the game in being a little bit hasty. Taking Bram Calabria Diaz off. was quite good. Yeah, he was good. Pioli is one of the best at in-game changes, I think. I agree. Um, and I thought I thought you had a very interesting point there. Um, Calabria against Quaraschelia, because I think that Kind of before the yellow card, Calabria was winning that. He was. He was. He was uh, pushing up very tight. Yeah, and being and, very aggressive. Yeah, and every every time Kvaratskhelia came one against one with Calabria, he Calabria won basically. Um, but then he makes kind of a tactical foul in the, yeah. in the pitch and takes a yellow card, and then it becomes very very dangerous against this unpredictable fast winger as Guadalajara. Anything can happen with him. Um, so I, I I thought Pioli did the right thing subbing Calabria off because it was the safe thing to do. Um, but it, it was very, very sad that uh, Calabria kind of took that yellow card because I was enjoying that game in the game uh, between uh, Calabria and Guadalajara. Yeah. So Kovashkelia had an influence, like sort of on the result, without actually playing too well. I didn't. I I thought he didn't play play that well actually. It was honestly the first game in Serie A this season where a team kept him quiet. Honestly. Yeah. First first loss since January, um, for Milan. Uh, you could tell it meant quite a lot to Napoli at the end of the game. The dugout was. Like cheering, Spalletti was in the stands and rather hilariously. But it's it's <laughs> yeah. a it's it was a really boost of a win for Napoli just before the break. Yeah, and honestly, if this was last season, I I I can't see Napoli winning this. It was it would probably be the other way around that Milan found a way to win it. But but now they, I don't know, man. It's they have uh, something special going. I think. Yeah, and this kind of mentality, kind of cynical mentality. Uh, they don't have to play the most entertaining football all the time. They just need a result. Um, and that, is, that is kind of what they did in the second half. Um, they threw on Simeone, who can kind of uh, be a bigger threat on, on crosses into the box than Raspadori can. And yeah, they just kind of played this direct and simple football uh, and kind of countered uh, on Milan when they got the opportunity to. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I'm very impressed with them. Uh, a very, very good result for them. Yeah, yeah. We will see after the international break what occurs. Um, I think we have a little bit of time to discuss Roma Atalanta. Um, Mourinho got sent off. I'm not going to say a what he said, <laughs> but he, <laughs> did you see this? Yeah, yeah, I saw it. He uh, swore at the ref. The ref <laughs> saw him swear, so it went over to him, and he swore again. <laughs> so then he brings the red card out, and then Mourinho swore once more or twice more just before um, getting sent off to the stands. Roma created plenty of chances, one on ones, point blank headers. They just I think story of their season so far, they've created plenty, scoring not so much, or not as much as they should. 
No, I thought they had plenty of opportunities. To, plenty, yeah. But uh, the margins was, wasn't on their side this game. Uh, Tammy Abraham had a great game. Uh, not, I mean, he, he missed a few good opportunities, but the same way we praised Giroud for Milan, Tammy Abraham kind of did the same thing for Roma. Uh, kind of dropped down sometimes to can meet up the ball, uh, hold it for a while, uh, let his uh, teammates join in the attack, and then they go. Um, so I, I thought I thought uh, a very good game by Tam Abraham, even though he didn't score and, and missed a few good opportunities. Missed the rude, sorry, rude the missed chances. <laughs> I got it wrong. But um, yeah, I... There's good signs for Roma, despite them not scoring that much. When you have an attack that has Zaniolo, Dybala, Pellegrini, Tammy Abraham, if you're creating as much as they are, like surely the, the goals will come eventually at some point. One player who has, who has impressed me at Roma is Ibanez. Yeah, he looked good. Yeah, and he kind of joins in the attacks uh, quite often as well. It seemed like Spinazzolo was sort of inverted in midfield as well. Yeah. I'd like to see Spinazzolo get back to some explosive form, but I, I guess that's going to take some time. Um, did you did you see what uh, Mourinho said after the game? You need to dive like clowns. Yeah. Don't stand up. Don't play the ball. Be clowns and lay down. <laughs> <laughs> or just, I mean, finish chances. Like maybe yeah. then you wouldn't have to dive like a clown. So I think that there's, there's good signs for Roma, to be honest. Um but it will be a case of like they they'll either score a lot more when when they keep creating or Mourinho will go sort of uber defensive and shut up shop because he does this when he when things get a little bit crazier or a little bit too adventurous he goes he changes things all the way which like has a, a ripple effect. Quick yeah. one on Atalanta, Rasmus Hodgland. Yes, I, I thought uh the same thing. He led the line really, really well. 19 years old from uh, Copenhagen. Yeah, but he came from Austria. Sturmgras. Yeah, no, no. He started his career at Copenhagen, but I think... Note him down, guys. Rasmus Hojland. Did I say that yeah. right? Yeah, you did. Uh, in Danish, it's Heilund. Um, but I think Atalanta might have unearthed another gem here with Zapata out. Um... Gasparini has, I think, deserves credit because he's he's changed his tactics mainly because he's been forced to. He can't play that adventurous football because he's lost. You know, Gosens. There's no Papu Gomez. There's no Ilicic. Um, there's not really a solid striker. He's even lost like Pessina now. Um, yeah. So they're middle blocking, but it, it's you know they're they're still worthy of they were still worthy of their win. Just about like as in Roma should have probably scored one or two, but. It was a lot of heart in the performance. It, it was. Um, and it, it was quite telling for Atalanta that Heilund kind of set up Scalvini, another 18-year-old who scored. Um, it's kind of their situation right now. They don't have a full squad, so they play the best young players they have, and they delivered this time. Um but I think that Roma was deserving of a point. Yeah, I must yeah say. of course. But, um, 
But it's said, I've been impressed with their start. Way. I think I've been impressed with Atalanta's start. Yeah, for sure. I I mean when we had the the kind of spaces before uh, Twitter spaces before the the season started, we kind of predicted them seventh or eighth because they lost so many players and they had at least last season players on decline like Duvan Zapata and so they've uh, surpassed at least our expectations. But as I said earlier, we we gotta see if if they can remain up there because it's one thing to have a good start to the season, but you have to stay up there. And um, I I won't say they won't, but I think this squad might not have the depth to kind of stay up there for the long run. The other teams have a little bit more. But yeah, I think even uh, even Ademola Lokman I think has looked exciting for them since he signed. I'm waiting for him to sort of have a burst in the season. Yeah, he played really well in the beginning, and now he's been on the bench for a few games. Mm. But I I really like the kind of player profile he has. Yeah, we'll be keeping an eye on Atalanta's uh, Danish striker though for sure. Yeah. Um, sorry, were we going to say something? No, I, no, I was just agreeing with you. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's fine. Um, there was lots to, and lots to unpack, so so thank you for listening if you're still with us right now. Um, but that is it, and we will be back in two weeks because me and Max are going to rest on some sun loungers and, and rest up. International breaks are good, and they're needed for people who consume football as much as we do, really. Yeah. So oh, I only have to see Sweden and, and Italy. Yeah, I mean, I sort of half pay attention to the internationals, really. Do, do you, aren't you a big England fan? No, I am, but like, it, 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 you know what I mean? It's not, it's, it's a lot more casual. If, Arnish, if, if it's... Do, you, do you not think it's coming home? <laughs> That's what you're saying? Shut up, shut up. <laughs> Don't torment me with that. Anyway, we will see you in two weeks and we will be back with Calcio, Calcio, Calcio. All things Calcio. Soon. Calcio. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, please go check out all the articles on BreakingTheLines.com. I've been your host, Dana Shikbal, and he was Max. Max, I'm going to miss you, but I will see you in two weeks, my friend. Yes, and we will keep in touch. Lovely. Bye-bye. Ciao.